This is Hashtag History, episode 115. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And as we try to do at least once a season, we like to read off the outro of the episode during the intro instead. Right. We've said it a million times before, but we know not everyone listens all the way through the end of every podcast episode. It's okay. No judgment here. No. We're right there with you. Yeah. Once you hear that outro music, you are outro too. <laughs> yeah. But like also, if you do that, you're also missing out on our bloopers, which like maybe it's just because I think we're hilarious. Well, but we like, are. They're funny. They are. Really, and I mean, d- granted, there's some that are funnier than others, but like we're hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. So, yeah, I actually didn't think about that. If you are not listening all the way through the full episodes, you're also missing our bloopers. Yeah. But more specifically, why I bring this up is because we do share some important information yeah. during the outro of each episode. We want to make sure that you all get the chance to hear that information. Yes, it's important. It is. So, to begin, if you are not already subscribed to us on whatever podcast platform you use, we would love it so much if you would hit that subscribe button. It would also mean the world to us if you would take the time to give us a rating and review. If you listen to us on Spotify, it's as simple as just leaving a very quick star rating literally as you are listening to this episode. And then as always, we would love it if you shared about the podcast with your family and friends. Word of mouth is a great way to reach more people. Honestly, I think it's like the, the, no- way. the only way our podcast has gotten anywhere. I Other than Instagram, we've reached a lot of people that yeah, way. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I agree with you. A That's lot of true. it is word of mouth. Yeah. And so if you've been enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell someone about it. Mm-hmm. Bring it up at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Share about us in your Instagram story. Send the link to the podcast to your coworkers via Microsoft Teams with no context whatsoever. Oh God, we all love that. We would Love that. So something else we want to make sure you all know is that citing our sources is super important to us. Yes. We're a history podcast. So everything we talk about is backed up with tons and tons and tons and tons of research, (laughs) hours of research. So if you're ever curious about any of our sources uh, or where this information is coming from that we're sharing with you, you can find those on our website at hashtag history dash pod dot com. And while you're on our website, you can also click around and see all of the other cool things things that we have on there for you uh there's some merchandise you can go buy from our store Mm -hmm. we have some information about us yes and how we met on there yes we also list out a bunch of different ways that you can support the podcast all of the episodes are listed there as well as citations so um there's lots of info there's lots of info on there and you recently updated it. Yes. So go check out the recently updated podcast website. Yeah. So cute. It's so cute. <laughs> so speaking of like supporting the podcast in any way that you can, you can actually do that by joining our Patreon if you would like. It's only in a dollar a month. One dollar a month. A single dollar. A single dollar. And your contributions go directly to keeping this podcast going. And to thank you for your monthly contribution, we send you cards and stickers. We provide some behind the scenes content of our recording. We drop weekly hashtag hangout episodes during our regular seasons. You get discounts on merchandise. We also give you a shout out on Instagram. I mean, it's all all the good things. We would love to see you over there. But please do not feel pressured to give us anything of monetary value. Really just supporting the podcast by giving us good ratings, reviews and listening and sharing with your friends and family means so much to us and really does help us along the way in getting this podcast, you know out there out there so thank you all so much and if you feel like monetarily supporting us feel free but no pressure 100 percent. no pressure thank you all so much for everything and really the last thing we want to say is if you are on social media which 
who's not other than like my dad is <laughs> not on Good social media. Yeah. Even Big he's, Al is. He is? I mean, he's not on Instagram, but he has a Facebook. No, my dad's not on anything. Anyway, if you're not my dad and you are on social media, come follow us on Instagram. That's where we do all the things. Yeah. Instagram, we, we do like regular giveaways. We share pictures from the episodes. We post, you know, thank yous to all of our cocktail sponsors there. We shout out our patrons. Really, we do all the things there. Yeah. That's kind of our main hub, really. For sure. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's continue on with our regular programming, I think. Yeah, regularly scheduled programming. Yes. This week, we will be discussing the mysterious Civil War glow. This refers to a phenomenon that was spotted during the Civil War, during the Battle of Shiloh of 1862, in which a number of soldiers were seen with a mysterious glow emanating from their wounds. Although unexplainable by both the soldiers experiencing the glow and by the doctors that were treating them, it was found that the soldiers whose wounds glowed actually had a better chance at living than those that did not. In fact, many soldiers would refer to this as the, quote, angel's glow, unquote, and would think the mysterious phenomenon for saving their lives. I know we're going to get into it, but I'm just imagining people being like, oh, let me go roll in a pile of toxic waste. <laughs> It, it'll give me a better chance of surviving this um, next battle. If if these exact same circumstances occurred, then yes. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that made what happened happen. Okay. <laughs> this mystery would remain as such for nearly 140 years. Amazingly, the mystery would eventually be very likely solved by a high school student in 2001 as part of a science project that he was conducting for school. That's cool. So cool. The truth behind this mysterious glow is so fascinating and I cannot wait to dig into it further. But first, let's dig into this cocktail. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. This is the last of the three cocktails that our friends Jill and Alex bought us because they are just the sweetest and most supportive people ever. Thank you so much, Jill and Alex. That was so sweet. Final shout out to you guys. Thank you. If you want to support our cocktail addiction, you can do so (laughs) by going to our website and visiting the support us tab. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So today I wanted to make us a glowing drink for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, to actually get a drink to glow, you need a black light, which I wasn't about to buy for a single Instagram photo. I'm sorry. We're we're too cheap for that for one photo, unless every single cocktail from here forward needs a black light. Right. In which case, maybe Maybe we'll purchase. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For now, I'm just going to say use your imaginations. I love that. Okay. Or we'll like hyper edit the photo want me to photoshop Photoshop it (laughs) yeah we'll photoshop it i'm not actually going to that's too much work that is also too much work so much work so this is the jekyll and gin cocktail that's adorable that's a cute name right yeah uh so it contains three ounces of gin so mostly all gin it's a lot of gin a half an ounce of lemon juice a teaspoon or a little bit more of grenadine which i made myself and it smelled and looked amazing. I'm so excited. I had I happened to have my hand on a fresh pomegranate 
and squeezed that mofo and <laughs> got the juice and did all the things. Yeah, the juice. It's got the juice. It's corn. <laughs> no, it's grenadine. Oh, I hate myself. It's grenadine. Um, and then a handful of ice and then you top it after you shake it all and mix it all. Then you top it with tonic water. So like I said, you mix it all, you top it with tonic water and then you pour it over ice. And then um, the tonic water is actually what makes the drink glow under black light. Cool. So which... I'm imagining it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic water actually contains the chemical quinine, which fluoresces under certain lights and makes it glow. That is so cool. So there's a little science segment for you. That is not the only science segment in this week's episode. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Ginny. Your grenadine is coming through on mine. It looks kind of like Pepto-Bismol, but it doesn't taste like that. <laughs> it's good, though. I don't really know what to say. Um... Longtime listeners of the podcast know that I am not much of a gin drinker. I've learned to become one. You have. And I, I have not matured whatsoever in the last three years. When it comes to gin. Or really at all. <laughs> really in any there's, way. There's been no maturity on my part for the last three years. Um, and one of those areas in which I am lacking in maturity is gin. Uh-huh. And specifically gin and tonics. I really don't which like gin this, and tonic. Like we were saying when I was making it, I was like, this is essentially a gin and tonic. But you've yeah. thrown a little grenadine and lemon juice. I do really love your grenadine. It comes through. Yeah. like, And it does taste better than the sugary stuff you get from the store. Yeah. Um. So I like that part. Otherwise, I think I'm giving it like a five. Okay. Mine's higher because I, I don't you, mind gin. Yes. Um. Seven. Okay. I mean, that's solid for a gin drink between the two of us to get a six. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty good. That's one of our higher ratings. For a gin drink, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Leah's friend, Berkeley. All your friends are coming through on this I episode. I know. What is happening? Thanks for all the support to Leah's friends. <laughs> <laughs> Um, This is a very little known story, one that I myself knew very, very little about before doing the research. And so I'm super grateful to Berkeley for suggesting this topic so I could look into it further and share it all with you. I think you had said his girlfriend also was suggesting it. Yeah, him and Ira suggested it to my husband, Nico. Thank you so much. Uh, This is like such a cool bit of history. And now it's going to be a tidbit that you all will be able to share at parties and awkward team building events. Uh, Just (laughs) as one does. As I mean, don't doesn't everyone to share history tidbits at team building events oh is that why they're awkward am i making them awkward yeah you're you're, i'm the problem it's me hi i'm the problem it's me yeah all right well let's jump into it with that yes We're going to start, as always, with some background by first discussing the Battle of Shiloh, the particular Civil War battle in which this mysterious glow was spotted. Now, the American Civil War was horrible. We know that, but to put it into better context and perspective that will allow us to really understand just how absolutely horrendous it was, more Americans died in the Civil War than any other war Americans have been involved in. More than 600,000 men died in the Civil War, which is more than the amount of Americans that died in World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War combined. And let's be real, like, war is absolutely horrendous and horrible no matter who yeah. it's against and what what the context is it's horrific yeah but it's the civil war is especially devastating because it's like brother on brother yep fellow countrymen on fellow countrymen and especially devastating to americans because it happened on our soil too oh, that's the yeah. other thing with the world wars and stuff they weren't occurring by yards some, it yeah. wasn't on our soil and yeah. affecting us so yes immediately Yes. I mean, just incredibly, incredibly devastating, the Civil War. 
The Battle of Shiloh in particular was exceptionally bloody. Occurring early on in the war in April of 1862, this battle ranks within the top 10 most deadliest Civil War battles, with more than 23,000 people either dead or wounded from this one battle. Okay, so that's like 3.8, almost 4% of the deaths throughout the entire Civil War took place in this one battle. And this is, again, I said this battle ranks within the top 10, which means it's still not even one of the worst. While it ended up being a victory for the Union, there were more Union casualties than Confederates, and General Ulysses S. Grant ended up getting a lot of flack for calls that he made during the course of the battle. Medical resources were slim, and many of the wounded soldiers actually ended up laying in the cold, rainy, and muddy Tennessee battlefield for upwards of two days with gaping wounds. As they were laying there, some of them noticed that their wounds were glowing. They were glowing like a greenish-blue color. Interesting. Like I mentioned in the intro, those that had these glowing wounds tended to survive in comparison to soldiers whose wounds did not. And as they were laying out on this battlefield in what I can only imagine a mentally and, of course, physically dark state, they began to refer to this phenomenon as the angel's glow that was keeping them alive. But really, I mean, that right there is the extent of the story at the time. No one could explain it. Even the doctors that treated the wounds could not figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so this story of this mysterious but miraculous angel's glow just continued to travel via oral history as a Civil War legend that we now know and love today. I've never heard of it. That you now know and love today. (laughs) (laughs) That you literally, as of right now, know... And you must love it as of today. Right. Hey, everyone. Rachel here. And you all know that Leah and I both love to read. You also know, though, that we are busy. Busy, busy, busy all the time between full-time jobs, a side podcast gig, other everyday responsibilities... It can be super hard to find the time to read. And that's why we have been super enjoying Audible. Audible is the leading provider in spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. They have titles ranging from news, self-development, business, fiction, and more. Not only do they have audiobooks, though, they also have podcasts, wellness guidance programs, and more. The best thing about Audible is that you can download titles to listen to offline, anytime, anywhere, across all devices without losing your spot. And Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. The one I am currently listening to on Audible is Lincoln's Last Trial, the murder case that propelled him to the presidency. If you would also like to try out Audible, you can do so with a free 30-day trial now when you use our link at www.audibletrial.com slash hashtag history. Once again, that is www.audibletrial.com slash hashtag history. Thanks. So let's fast forward to 139 years later. It's 2001 and Bill Martin is a 17-year-old high school student. While in high school, he had the opportunity to tour the Battle of Shiloh, and that's where he too learned about the story of these glow-in-the-dark wounds. 
And thus, he decided to solve the mystery behind the angel's glow as part of a school science project. I'm going to solve a it, scientific mystery. I think it helps that Bill's mom is a microbiologist who was recently studying, of all things, glowing diseases. Got it. Noted. So he, you know, he comes home, he mentions it to his mom, like, hey, I learned about this, these like glowing wounds. No one knows what it was. Yeah. And his mom's like, we can solve that. Okay. Perfect, perfect person to help, right? Right. So Bill, his mom, Phyllis, and a friend of his, Jonathan Curtis, they started digging. The first place that they started was with identifying any kind of bacteria that has glowing components, also known as bioluminescent bacteria. That's like the stuff that when you go to Hawaii or something and it like glows in the water when you walk through the ocean. Yes, exactly. Science. Science. (laughs) And then they started cross-referencing these types of bacteria with those that would have been present way back in 1862 at the Battle of Shiloh. Okay. They discovered a possible candidate as the source of this glowing bacteria, and that is a bacterium that is called photohabitus luminescence, which live inside of roundworms. Roundworms live in watery soil particularly the upper layers of the soil, which would have been the environment of the Shiloh battlefield. Roundworms survive by vomiting this particular bacteria, which then kills any other bacteria or microbes. And in some scientific way that I do not understand fully, this can actually result in a glowing bacteria. So let's check out a picture of this glowing bacteria. I know you're very excited to look at bacteria that's on fire. (laughs) Vomit, yeah. It's a little maggot that glows. Yeah, exactly. Now, although I am a dummy and do not understand all of the logistics of the scientific stuff, I do think based on the little that I do generally understand of it, this sounds like it could be a pretty common occurrence, right? Like, why don't we see this glowing phenomenon occurring more often, perhaps? As Bill and Jonathan would learn as they were continuing their research, P-luminescence can't survive at a normal body temperature. Can we also just acknowledge that Bill and Jonathan probably aren't really the people we should be acknowledging? As- it should be Phyllis. It should be Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis discovered we're, we're crediting the 17-year-old yeah. whose mom happened to be a microbiologist right. studying glowing diseases. Right. Um, so Phyllis discovered, and then her son signed his name on the research paper, right. that... P luminescence can't survive at a normal human body temperature. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So it has to be colder. These people who are bleeding out, their body temperature is lowering. In addition to the fact that, remember, these soldiers had been sitting in wet, muddy, rainy, cold soil for two days before medical attention had reached them. They're cold. They're freezing. It's not crazy to think that the body temperature of these soldiers was certainly below normal and therefore this created the perfect environment for the bacteria to thrive okay essentially the bacteria that was in the soil went into the open wounds of these soldiers and released these toxins into the wounds which killed off any other microbes or bacteria residing there and that is how and why the men that were infected by this glowing bacteria actually had a higher survival rate yes. than those that did not. Oh my God, this is so It's exciting. crazy, right? Because this bacteria, the P. luminescence, essentially cleaned out any other germs there that could have led to fatal infections. This glow really was an angel glow, and it really did save the lives of these soldiers. Science is cool. It's really cool. And it's cool that we, Phyllis, figured this out 
more than 100 years after this happened, nearly 200 years after this happened. Now, I should, of course, state that this is not 100% proven that it was indeed P luminescence that caused this glow way back in 1862. Right. It's like an unofficial high school. Definitely. I mean, because we obviously have no way of proving this since any soldiers affected by this glowing effect are long gone and we don't have any evidence collected and preserved that we could now analyze Mm -hmm. but it's certainly the best answer that we have and as far as i'm concerned this case is solved thank you phyllis thank you so much phyllis (laughs) we appreciate your service (laughs) this was a little bit of a shorter episode than what we normally put out so i thought i would close out this episode with a bit of a pep talk for anyone out there that needs it the fact that this nearly 140-year-old mystery was likely solved by some high schoolers and their mom working on a science project is just amazing. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you to follow your passions, chase those dreams. If you see a question out there that doesn't have an answer and you're interested in trying to find that answer, go do it. Imposter syndrome does not exist here. Look at this episode and even look at last week's episode about the college professor that essentially solved the mystery of the Somerton Man. Mm-hmm. All of these people are quote unquote amateurs and yet they solved decades long mysteries and really helped to fill gaps in history this is super important work and there's always a place for someone else a place for you to go out there and solve some mysteries too oh my god this may seem like a weird episode to insert this information into but i actually think it goes hand in hand with something that has been constantly practically nonstop on my mind for the last week. As of this last week, at the time that we're recording this episode, after more than 25 years, the murderer of Kristen Smart was finally convicted. For those that are unfamiliar, Smart was a 19-year-old college student who went missing here in California back in 1996. And the number one suspect from day one was not arrested until this last year. Now, why do I bring this up? What's the relevance? I'll explain. Okay. I do not know the inner workings of the official investigative police files. I do not know what all they had been working on in relation to this case over the last two decades. But I can tell you from an outsider perspective, it looked as if things had gone cold and that there wasn't much action being Mm -hmm. made. Then enter Chris Lambert and the podcast he started in 2019 titled Your Own Backyard. Mm -hmm. Lambert at the time was a seemingly amateur podcaster and investigator, but he saw a question, who is responsible for the disappearance of Kristen Smart? And he sought out an answer. It is without a doubt because of his podcast that Kristen Smart finally received some justice 26 years later. It's because of the podcast that there was a renewed public interest in the case, which led to a number of things such as, you know, the replacement of an old billboard with a new picture of Kristen Smart to kind of generate uh, witnesses and interest. And it also led to new witnesses coming forward with information that directly led to the arrest of Paul Flores. Investigators on this case have thanked Chris Lambert for his podcast in bringing those new witnesses forward. I say all of this to say, do the damn thing. Yeah. You see a question that you'd like to help answer? Help answer it. Do the thing. Yeah. Write the book. Make the documentary. Start the podcast. Create the YouTube channel. Write the blog. Do the thing. There is space for you and there are gaps in the world that are waiting for you specifically to fill. Follow your passions, people. Your passions lead to amazing things. And I'm going to try to take my own advice. <laughs> that was all written for me and a little bit for right. you. Yeah, because we can't follow our own advice, no. clearly. <laughs> that, that, I know, about starting a podcast. <laughs> right. 
Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. Any pictures we discussed on the episode will be shared to our Instagram and all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history-pod.com. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Share about us with your family and friends and then give us a rate and review. And be sure to check us out on our socials. We are on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. We also are trying to post to TikTok more often and we are on there at hashtag history all one word. And come join us over on Patreon where for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support our books and boo supply. You also get access to some behind the scenes content, weekly hashtag hangout episodes and automatic 15% off all merchandise. And we mail you cards and stickers. So good. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Bye. How was that? Excellent. Better than last time. Excellent. <laughs> was that stupid? No. Oh, okay. I I wasn't sure if it was like cheeky or if it was cheeky. like a dad joke. Oh, it's a dad joke. Okay. You crossed over to dad. <laughs> okay. But in an okay way. It's fine. Okay. Great. Um, I'm sure we have a couple dad listeners that will appreciate it. I know for a fact that we do. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Definitely. Um, but what, what were we talking about? About... Not listening all the way through the end oh. of every podcast episode. Yeah, but a number of shoulders sh- yep. <laughs> with gaping holes. Gaping holes. Gaping wounds. Gaping <laughs> Just holes. holes. <laughs> I mean, fair. They may have yes. also been holes. This, yeah. <laughs> and being and like- using them as flashlights. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I was going to say just. No, you don't think so. No. Okay. You're like, mm. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, like, ah, the, the way so. it's spelled reminds oh, me of Hodor back. from Game of Thrones, which oh, you I wouldn't know. Get. Sorry. I'm on season two. Did I not tell you that? <laughs> uh, Sean Bean's kids. Sheen Beans. Sheen, Sheen Bean. His kids. Sean Beans. Sean Bonds. <laughs> just wait until the red wedding. <laughs> okay. I'm excited for it. Anyway. I feel the three ounces of gin. <laughs> clearly. I know. Me too. <laughs> oh my God. You're right there. <laughs> I actually need to take a sip. <laughs> I just inhaled it. Three ounces of gin just went into my lungs. Did it burn? <laughs> oh. Do you need water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>